Hello, and welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. I am your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your other host, Soli Hommel. And we're going to take you through 31 scary movies through the month of October, like we do every year. But for the first time this year, we're going to do it entirely in audio format. We like to mix it up every year. One thing you need to be aware of is that we will be employing a truly ghoulish number of spoilers throughout all of these reviews. So if you haven't seen the movie we're reviewing, maybe don't listen to our podcast until you do. We highly recommend you check them out and watch along with us. It's going to be fun for everybody. I mean, how could it not be? So if you're ready and you've watched the movie, please step inside our lair and let's begin. We watched the movie Tag from 2015. 2015, not 2018. Which we watched earlier this year. When it was in theaters. But this tag is uh, a Japanese film. Mm -hmm. It is not rated. We watched it on Netflix. And it's another one with a fairly short running time. It was only 85 minutes. IMDb gives it a 6.1. Rotten Tomatoes critics give it an 83. And the audience gives it a 61. Critics have to understand. Right? Anytime you get something that's a little bit out there. Huh. Or a whole lot out there. (laughs) Yeah. The critics have to be like, oh yeah, I totally get that. Um, I, on the other hand, totally did not get that. I am with you there. I totally did not get that. So I noticed that you gave this one not just the gore and teen tags, which I think are very appropriate, and the Japanese tag, but fantasy and insane. Yes, it's the first time we've used the insane tag this month, and I'm not sure that that's appropriate, but... Um, looking back... It was pretty insane. Oh, it's appropriate here. I'm just wondering if we've missed it anywhere. And I don't think so. I think the Lords of Salem is the closest to insane that we've seen so far, and it's not. So... Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Tell me about the fantasy tag. That's obviously very subjective, but this movie struck me as a fantasy movie, which... I'm not even sure what that means exactly, but when people are wandering into other worlds and magical stuff is happening, Mm -hmm. it's sort of fantasy. Like, I I reviewed Insidious many years ago, and one of my complaints about it was, this isn't a horror movie, it's a fantasy movie. Or it wasn't exactly a complaint. Like, it starts out as horror and has a great uh, seance scene, which is super creepy, and I really liked it. And then from there, it moves into fantasy. Like, he goes into this alternate world full of demons but the demons are like you know like the demons in world of warcraft they're hobgoblins and such they're not they're not creepy demons it's like a fantasy world and this movie kind of felt fantasy to me yeah i feel like the fantasy element comes through very strongly too because it's a japanese film and it so it sort of has that like almost anime Uh, cartoon comic book style in in a lot of places i mean it's not any of those things but you know it sort of feels like the things that are happening feel like the sorts of things that would happen in a cartoon yeah like when the teacher whips out a giant machine gun (laughs) right just out of the blue like there's no there's no hinting Mm -hmm. at it or anything it's just we're in one reality and then everything clicks and we're in a completely different reality and there's never any explanation for it yeah so The plot of this movie is, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Let me see if I can uh, give it a shot. So the plot of this movie is that the main character, Mitsuko, is experiencing a lot of horrific things. 
and she keeps jumping from life to life. Like, like mm-hmm. she's maintaining her sense of self, but she's a different person in each yeah. life. She's a different actress, and her character name changes to Keiko and then Izumi. Yes, and there are different people who know her and, you know, different things happening to her and everything. And so basically, she's running her way through all of these lives and trying to figure out what's going on. So are we. Yeah. So this was your pick. It was. What drew you to this movie? I went in search of this movie. I was trying to come up with what we should watch next, and I realized we haven't done any Asian horror this month. And that's always something we like to slip in, and it can be very interesting. So I did a search for Best Asian Horror Movies on Netflix. Nice. And, yeah, that's what happened. (laughs) Uh, Was this at the top of that list? It wasn't at the top. Actually, the movie at the top was Train to Busan, actually. Ah. And later on the list were, I think, a couple others we've seen, but also... Above this on the list was something called The Wailing, which I have since last year considered watching. And the thing that puts me off of it is... Is it You're Afraid of Whales? They spell it differently. Oh. Is that it is two and a half hours long. Ooh. It is definitely, it's like a mystery and a ghost story and it sounds of interest to me, but... Man, it's not short. So one of the things I've realized this month is that the time spent watching a movie is super subjective. Yes. Because the shortest films that we've watched, Tag and Ride, uh, what is the one I'm thinking of? 11 minutes, yep. And the very shortest one, The Eyes of My Mother, have all been the movies that felt the longest to me. Yeah. Like I think like so. last night I I was surprised when we were looking it up after we finished trying to figure out what on earth we missed and I realized how short it was because it felt like a fairly long movie to me. Yeah. Well, I think that's I don't I mean that's not like it that it was boring, it's that it went so much happened in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was that happened, but there was tons of it. And that's the kind of thing that can make something feel really long. I've noticed that with like TV shows and stuff too, where some shows would just have a couple things happen and you're like, oh, you know, they dragged it out a whole bunch and it can be boring, Mm -hmm. but not take that long. And then other things, if there's 10 different sequences over the course of this hour show, it's kind of exhausting. Yeah, I I actually felt like this movie was exhausting. Like and I don't know I don't know that I necessarily mean that in a negative way, just that between all of the different things that were happening and how confusing it all was and how I was really having to stay engaged and like I mean part of it was that it was subtitles, so I was having to read everything. Like yeah. I tend to listen to movies a lot and then you know look up when i need to when Mm -hmm. i'm cued to look up (laughs) and with with subtitles you have to watch everything or you miss something right yeah so like i was having to be so mentally engaged and then she's running through so much of this movie (laughs) and panting and like i there were several times where i started to feel like that like constriction in my chest that i get if i've been running too much and i don't have my inhaler i'm like I felt like I was having like this exercise induced asthma attack <laughs> from watching her have to run so much. Well, and that's if we haven't spoiled this already, this movie is a total art film. Like mm-hmm. I literally don't fully understand 
even the straightforward events that we watch like the plot of the movie is not clear even beyond you know symbolism and deep stuff one of the things in the movie is this running there are dozens of scenes of her and her friends just running sometimes they're running away from something sometimes they're running for fun sometimes they're running to get somewhere they're just running and it goes on for a really long time two or three minutes of Mm -hmm. just them running through the woods in in her um her izumi iteration (laughs) she's literally running in a marathon yeah (laughs) like that whole story (laughs) takes place in the marathon they're like we know a way to make this legitimate let's make it official (laughs) that she's running well and i think that one of the things that our our listeners should know is that this is a movie that includes a character who wears a pig's head (laughs) like that's who this character is like it's a man Mm -hmm. with a pig's head and like it's not a man with a mask on it's literally a man with a pig head who does backflips right and it's and it's obviously very symbolic because up until the very end of the movie he is literally the only man in the film yeah which is very interesting yeah and i mean i don't know where to go there's so many things to talk about and i don't know what any of them mean so maybe (laughs) by talking we'll figure it out maybe in our readings, one of the things that we've discovered is that people are somewhat divided on whether this movie, whether it's super hateful toward women or whether it's like a feminist masterpiece. People seem to feel very strongly one way or the other. <laughs> and I think it is one or the other, but I'm not entirely sure which. Well, it's so strange because, I mean, there's definitely like, there's a whole sequence where for some reason, the wind is acting weird today, and what it's doing is blowing up all these girls, uh, you know, Catholic school uniforms up, or Japanese school uniforms up. Right, there's, it's a, it's a, like a Japanese boarding school, all yeah. girls boarding school, and the wind keeps flipping up their super, super short skirts <laughs> so that you see their white underwear. And that's either exploitative or... Or it's a commentary about the issue of this kind of exploitation. And I, I lean in that direction. The I'm, commentary? Yes. I'm not super sure like other people are. But I'm leaning that way in part because almost the entire movie, there is not one man in the movie. And that means something. That Right. And, and the overall story itself is one of women being subjectified. I mean... Major spoilers here, you guys. Like, definitely, if you're thinking about watching this movie, go watch it before you go any further. It all boils down to the fact that she's actually a character in a video game. and yeah, Or at least that's something we learn anyway. Right. And that and that it's a man who programmed it and it, it's... A man who's playing it. And a man who play, who's playing it. And, and basically, the world outside this video game is all men. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, when, when we got to that part, it actually said on the screen, <laughs> man world. <laughs> yep. Just man world. <laughs> so, like, that piece of it, and the fact that she wins in the end, sort of. Well, she, she takes control of her circumstances. And, she and I mean, she, she smashes up that pillow. Right. And possibly kills the guy, but maybe not... No, I, so at the end, I, ha- I the last thing I wrote was she has escaped. Well, you know what she does to escape at the end? She right. kills herself 
in the real world, I guess, and in each of the video games, all three right. parts, she kills herself. So, but like you said, she takes control of her life after having been a pawn yeah. in this game. So that makes me lean toward everything else is very intentionally set to make some kind of point about feminism or toxic yeah. masculinity or uh, misogyny or whatever. But it's like it's such a fine line. Uh, people complain about the lurid scenes, but that's really not a big part of it. In the beginning, it is. It's the schoolgirls, and she goes to school, and the wind is whipping up their skirts, and repeatedly and pointedly, they'll, like, fall on the ground, and you can see their underwear. Like, mm -hmm. for no reasonable reason, but it's happens during the course of things and it makes you think there's probably a reason they're they're pointing the camera like that mm -hmm. but for most of the movie that's not a thing like then she's an adult in a wedding dress which is just whatever and although at the wedding everyone else takes off their clothes which right it goes from weird. like this cheering supportive crowd yeah. to suddenly being very aggressive and very yeah they like take all their clothes off and they're like screaming instead of cheering and yeah. there's definitely a transformation man that wedding but i feel like there's an element of that same sense of taking control within that like even you know the flashing in the underwear and stuff is like i don't know that there the like something about if you take men out of the equation, then is it really that big a deal? I mean, we're watching the movie, so... Yeah. That's... I yeah. don't know. And... Well, and if they're choosing... I mean, the wind isn't a good example of this because it's not a choice, but if they're choosing, like at the weddings, or at the wedding, the women all take their clothes off, it's a choice thing. No, They're not yeah. being forced to do it, except then we find out they're in a video game, so maybe they were... Possibly. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's something to, like, I, we need to analyze this wedding scene because the wedding scene particularly makes no sense as anything other than a piece of art. Like, mm -hmm. look at this. What does it all mean? Every part of it is symbolic. No part of it is literal. It's nothing mm -hmm. except something symbolic. So she shows up at this wedding that she doesn't want to be at or doesn't even know anything about. She's got a broken bottle instead of flowers. She is being cheered on by a crowd of entirely women. And there's not one man at the wedding. She's walking up the aisle to a coffin instead of a groom. Mm -hmm. Which she knows something bad is in the coffin and she's nervous. And then the crowd starts taking off their clothes and switching from cheering her to screaming at her and mocking her and laughing at her. Mm -hmm. And they're pushing her forward towards the coffin and then she, they open it up, and there's a pig man inside, and they're like, kiss him, kiss him. And he's like, his face is all bloody and stuff. Yeah, it's real gross. She didn't want to kiss him for some reason. Hmm. What does any of that mean? So there's another element to that wedding, the whole idea of the wedding even, mm -hmm. in that when she's at the boarding school, she's very clearly in a romantic relationship right. with one of the other girls, who is the girl who shows up in all of the different yeah. stories. Yes, yeah, that seems really important. And um. so, like, just the fact that she's in this wedding, I mean, even if it was a man, she wouldn't have wanted to be in this wedding because yeah. she's not attracted to men, is what is the impression that I was getting. 
Yeah, uh, one of the things I read, you know, one of the people's interpretations of this movie was entirely about that. He's like, this is about how hard it is to come out in Japan and how, you know, this is not good for her. You know what? That makes a lot of sense to me because then the wedding scene, so all the other women, they're so excited for her to get married. Like even before she gets into the chapel, like all the friends are like hysterical almost at this, oh, she's here and she's going to be a wedding. They're like squeaking and squealing and they're all excited. And they don't seem to have any sense of what her emotions are about it. They don't care, frankly, what she thinks. And they are just so excited that there's a wedding happening. Uh And then the audience, you know, all the people, all the guests who were at the wedding seem to sort of feel the same way when she first walks in. And then as she's like slow, you know, being slow and maybe some of the hesitation and everything, that's when they start to turn Yeah. and they start to force her toward it. And so, you know, it kind of makes sense that like the whole idea of even culturally, but more specifically, the women in the culture are not supportive of this idea. And I don't know, I I don't know anything about Japanese culture. So it's, you know, I'm not like making an assessment of how Japanese culture (laughs) approaches being gay or lesbian, but but that's kind of an interpretation of that scene, I guess. Yeah, it's all symbols. Whole stupid movie. Nothing makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what does it mean? So, I mean, there's... They explain, you know, that there's a one scene of exposition in the movie where the old man playing the game, like, flat out tells her, we took your DNA and we made you into a game, which is kind of weird because, you know... DNA based so it's like it's really her in the game somehow which is good because otherwise she would just be a character and wouldn't be able to have any of these choices but he explains that and that's a little too easy so you know that's not what's really happening even Mm -hmm. if that is the real plot so I don't know because that's that's one layer and then just above that layer is the whole idea of men controlling women since mm -hmm. obviously that's what that's about and then we get these other layers of whatever. Well, what's interesting to me, too, is that there are only women within the game universe. Mm-hmm. There only seem to be men outside the game universe. And so when he's talking about how we took your DNA and put you in the game, like it's sort of, I mean, it, it very strongly implies that at some point, all of the women in his universe ceased to exist somehow and he managed to save their dna he has this like glass uh terrarium of (laughs) of women and it's not a big terrarium like there's not a huge number of women in there so i don't know like what happened like where did the women go why are they gone why is their dna still there like did they leave were they all killed like i don't know i don't know i have very few concrete thoughts one thing i came up with when she okay so she was izumi running the race Mm -hmm. and then she went into this cave and found a bunch of ring girls which is to say the girl from the ring multiple times over with the hair over the face yeah and And there was a leader to them um i forget it was like one of her friends i think and she said we have to kill you because when you live we all die and it all revolved around her and her surviving was the death of all of them and they wanted to flip that around because they kind of didn't like that. And at that point, I wrote down that this whole thing is like a nightmare escape for her of her feeling survivor's guilt over being the only survivor of the bus crash, thinking of a literal, of a real bus Mm -hmm. crash, not the wind slicing the bus in half. Like that part was also symbolic. And so this idea that it kind of
kind of fit up to that point to a certain degree that all of this was just her feeling guilty for surviving when everyone else died. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. <laughs> no, and I don't think that's what it was because I don't think the bus the bus crash was within yeah. the game. Definitely. So I was sort of th- thinking something along the same lines. Sweet. I was expecting that it was going to turn out that all of this, like all the fantasy elements of it were her mind processing things. Like that yeah. she had experienced a trauma and that she was trying to figure it all out. And, you know, the man with the pig head. And then she ends up in this like really dark kind of under a bridge sort of feeling place. Like the cave yeah. area where she meets the ring girls sort of felt like like a slummy part of town under a dirty bridge. Yeah. And I felt like we were maybe getting pieces of Hmm. she had had some kind of sexual trauma and was trying to process all of that. And that, you know, she was eventually going to put all the pieces together and find out. And then at the end, when it's, here's this bed and this very handsome, almost naked boy. And, you know, you need to get in the bed. And I was like, oh, here's where, this is the guy. Like, this is where it happens. That sounds pretty cool. But I don't think that that's what it was. And I'm really glad because, I mean, we've talked about this before, that that is so often the vehicle of any heroic woman's story. Like that she has to be physically traumatized in order to have the strength and whatever. You could argue that being a pawn in a video game played (laughs) only by men is not that far off of that. But I was glad that it didn't turn out to be that. You know, the alligator fits in your story very well. Yes. (laughs) But... Yes. But I just, man. So we've developed like five or six different theories of what this movie could be about. And who knows what it is. I suspect that the director or writer, um, his name is the writer's... Yusuke Yamada. That was like a graphic novel or a... Yeah, he, right? he based it on that and apparently made it very different from yeah. Yamada's novel. And so so he being Sion? Sion Sono. Sono, uh, who also directed it and is, is a famous director. Obviously, we're not in the know, but <laughs> is a famous director. I believe that he knew what he was trying to say with this movie. Like, yeah, I, I, I believe... Think he did. The artistry of this movie. We've talked before about how there are some movies where they're just like, if I just throw a bunch of paint at the walls, someone will think it's a fa- it's a you know really expensive painting. Yep. But I feel like this is true art, and part of that is that I think you're supposed to try to figure it out and bring your own interpretation to it, and yeah. you know feel things from it, and not necessarily like there's not necessarily an end point he was trying to get us to. I wonder, like, that's... I'm trying to imagine how you would make something like that other than to just throw jello-covered spaghetti noodles at the wall. And it's... I mean, that's so weird to think about creating something... I mean, of course he had an intent, but creating something and making sure it's open-ended enough that people can interpret it. And that's just crazy, because then there's not enough there for your interpretation of it, you know? It's like you're, you're throwing away the story you're trying to tell in order to broaden it out to the point where it's just confusion. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's... You know, I suspect that all the pieces in there have meaning to him like he knows but he doesn't seem to have be super tied into making sure his audience picks it up it reminds me very much of watching the this is america video Mm -hmm. yeah by um 
Childish Gambino. Yes, by Childish Gambino, where you know everything has a purpose in that video, but he doesn't consider it his problem to make sure that everyone understands yeah. what all that purpose is. Yeah, that's definitely the same kind of art where it's highly detailed but unexplained. So it also reminds me of Sorry to Bother You, which we saw in theaters recently. Yeah. Yeah, that same... Yeah, same kind of horsemen instead of pigmen. Right. But everything means something. Yeah. And it's up to you to figure out what that is. And yet, with those things, I felt so much less lost. Of course, I'm from America, so that fits. Right. Now, both of those, I definitely had an element of feeling lost because they are both very much about black culture in America. And that's not something that I have a lot of experience with. So it's harder for me to interpret things and to pick up on on the cues. And it's the same with, with the Japanese film. I don't understand all the references and all the social cues and all of those things that make it understandable which honestly is one of the things i like about watching asian horror is that it is so far removed from the the norm of what i'm used to that it it's often scarier for me because it's more unexpected it's less familiar speaking of unexpected and unfamiliar that was a problem i had with this movie is this art scenes of it It kind of ended up to where, you know, Mitsuko had no idea what was going on the whole movie. She was just terrified and running around. And then Aki clearly did know what was going on and was trying to help her and guide her without actually explaining anything. And it kind of made it so that there wasn't something to grasp onto. Like, I couldn't follow the story because we weren't a party to the story. Aki's standing there going, you've got to pull these cables out of me in the most gross scene ever. And she's like, why would I do that? How is that good? And she's like, you just have to do it. And so finally she did, after a lot of complaining, and it opened a door. But why? So it one of the things I noticed when the door was opened was that like she pulled that there was a red cable and a blue cable, one coming yeah. out of each arm. And she pulls them and like tears Aki apart. And then you can see the two cables, like as she's walking toward the door, you can see the two cables that are clearly coming from Aki. But then there's also a whole collection yeah. of cables just laying on the ground. There's like a pile of them which wasn't ever really explained. And at this moment, the way I want to interpret that is that she's not the first person to have done this Mm. or the first woman to have done this and to have escaped from this game. And it makes me wonder if Aki isn't in there of her own volition, maybe, because she's the same person in each story. Like, she's not changing up her face like uh, Mitsuko was. So, you know... Is that what's happening? Like they get out and then they come in and they help somebody else get out? Is it sort of a Matrix kind of thing? There's a whole lot of Matrix kind of thing to this movie for sure. And yeah, that makes sense. When I think about when you first mentioned the lines on the floor, which I I noticed them, but I didn't really think about them. I was thinking about the rows and rows of ring girls back there. So she Mm. tears Aki in half and all of them are torn in half too and the cables run from everybody and i don't know what that means Uh, and that could be it too i don't (laughs) don't know know. either but that's just what makes it so hard to follow like there's not a straightforward something it's just a bunch of scenes and they're only connected by the fact that she runs from one to the next yeah well there were other connections the wind connected through um the pillow there was definitely a motif of feather pillows which you know i really feel like hollywood needs to well it's not hollywood it's japanese film (laughs) but like 
filmmakers in general need to maybe consider finding a different pillow manufacturer. Yes. TV and movie pillows are some of the weakest things I've ever come across. Like, I in my whole life have never had a pillow burst open and spew feathers all over. Yeah, it's pretty common though in movies. It happens all the time. Of course, so do pillow fights and... Okay, and speaking of this pillow fight, pillow fighting, in one case, when they were down by the lake, they were pillow fighting with a gross hobo pillow. (laughs) Ew. Well, you know, when you need to have a pillow fight, you can't be picky. I guess. Yes, but that that motif of the feathers that came out of the pillow, like that that followed through, like during cutscenes, the feathers would be drifting down. Yeah, all over the place. Um, that's like the turning point is when she kind of flashes back to that scene with the pillow fight by the lake, and and a feather lands on her on her. Yeah finger that's bleeding and it turns red means something and then all the pillow all the feathers coming out of the pillow that she was using to attack the boy like and not in an an actual attacking sort of way like suffocate him like there's (laughs) damage that can be done with a pillow nope she's pillow fighting with him yeah Uh, well not really though she was mostly just tearing the pillow apart and he just you couldn't see him anymore because of all the feathers that's true but then all those feathers turn red yeah which i kind of took as symbolic of she had killed him well and then when she stabbed herself red feathers went flying everywhere yeah it all means something solely it all means something maybe it means that the programmers of that game had some issues (laughs) yeah i mean it feels like a bug if you program blood and it comes out as feathers yeah so particle systems are (laughs) tricky to code for sure they are i mean i i think we could talk about this movie for a very long time which is probably a positive thing and i don't think i'm ever gonna get to feeling like i know what i'm talking about with this movie i was counting on you and you did not pull through for me i'm sorry oh hey you know what we didn't talk about Hmm. our first shot first line oh and what was that Well, the first shot was a helicopter shot looking down on a road going through the woods, and you see a bus come around the corner and travel on the road, and then, you know, we get down and that bus gets vigorously chopped in half, (laughs) which was a little traumatic for me. But then the first line is after we've, we've... watch the buses travel a little bit and we then we we jump to inside the bus and it's all of these Japanese schoolgirls you know talking and being excited and oh, having yeah. their conversation and the first piece of conversation that the <laughs> subtitles translated was have you tried gelato which means something so <laughs> probably i don't know maybe um they you know they were then having a conversation about you know what gelato was and yeah. whatever yeah they were so I don't know. I don't know. Ratings. So I have to rate this movie first. Get on it. (laughs) I don't know what to do. It's a mystery. So I can definitely see how people will be divided over this movie. Like, oh, definitely. <laughs> people who watch this movie are either going to hate it or love it, I think. I, I don't think you're going to end up in the in-between a whole lot. I could be wrong about that. I think I loved it. Oh, yeah? I do. Like, I don't understand it at all. Me neither. But it's 
the I don't understand it and I want to keep thinking about it and and trying to figure it out and I definitely got a feeling from it you know it's like looking at a a, a Mondrian painting uh-huh. like I like his art and I mm-hmm. recognize it as art and I know a lot of people look at it and they're like, well, I could put some blocks of color on a <laughs> on could. a canvas and what's so special about him. But it's about the composition and it's about balancing things in such a way that it makes people want to keep looking at it because they feel something, right? Yeah. Whereas there are lots of things, you know, I've seen lots of things on the walls of museums and art galleries that to me just look like somebody threw a bunch of paint at the wall and it doesn't make me feel anything and I'm like whatever I could totally do that. (laughs) We watch these horror movies and there are times where we get to the end and I'm like I do not understand what just happened. I fully think that I could make a movie that was equally (laughs) as confusing and ridiculous. Yeah. And then there are movies like this where I'm like I don't understand what's happening and there is no way that I could ever create something that made people feel things and think about things the way this movie made me feel and think about things. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. So as much as I don't really know how to explain why, I am going to give this movie a five. What? You're one of those critics. No, because I'm not. I mean, maybe... But I'm not giving it because I think I understand it in all no, its wonder and glory. Look like you understand it. Not at all, because I'm very clearly <laughs> saying I have no idea what's going on. But I like the not knowing what's going on. I like the way it makes me want to know what's going on uh-huh. instead of making me go, "Well, that was dumb," and turn something else on. Right? Yeah. yeah, I'm giving it a five. I feel like this was an artistic, horrific interesting movie i'm giving it five feather pillows Mm. out of five it's shocking i Um, I can tell you're shocked well what is your score coming here from man world i can tell you (laughs) that i am one of those mythical middle of the road people um they don't exist because i enjoyed the movie like while i was watching it i was feeling entertained and was willing to go along with it and like was taking the ride but also it bothered me that it uh, that I couldn't interpret it and that I wasn't getting something out of it basically like I I don't know that I can that I have the same thing you did where I feel like it made me have feelings it's more that it was this big puzzle and I'm frustrated that I couldn't solve the puzzle and I had fun along the way but was let down in the end and also, I'm just let down in general when the answer is it's a video game. That Because that's not what video games are like. <laughs> it always makes me mad. <laughs> like, it's just... And like, what <laughs> this game? This movie wasn't realistic for you. The ending wasn't realistic enough <laughs> exactly. for you. Exactly. You know, what game are you playing where you switch between a girl running away from Slicey Wind to somebody at a wedding... Or, wait, wait, wait. To an army of kids running away from teachers with machine guns to a wedding where you have a big brawl with everybody there to running a marathon woo let's do that one the funniest part about that is we actually see him playing the game and it switches from character to character on the fly from story to story yeah and none of it's just footage of the movie like there's no (laughs) actual like well it's like one of those dragon's lair games where you just have to hit the button at the right time and it shall either roll away and survive or end up getting smacked 
Maybe. It's one of those. I don't know. It's a, what do they call Laserdisc game. Ah. Uh, so, yeah. Interestingly, though, almost all of those that I mentioned were about running, so it's a game about running. It's one of those infinite runners. Those are fun games. But anyway, uh, that puts me kind of in the middle in that it was enjoyable, but let me down. And, and I don't feel like it was really horror. Like, obviously, you kind of have to put it in that category with the extreme gore that happened. Mm-hmm. But it never really made an effort to scare you. The the mystery of the slicing wind, if that had gone somewhere, that could have been a horror thing. Like, what is this and why is it coming after us? But of course... And why does it only slice sometimes? <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that ended up just being another unexplained thing. So yeah, frustrating. So I want to give this something like a three feather pillows out of five. Because... I had the enjoyment, and I'm glad I watched it, but a frustrating experience for dumb people. <laughs> you just have to revel in your ignorance like I do. Like just yeah, I'm not good at that. Soak it up. No. I have so much practice. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like that uh, was a not very helpful conversation, but it was fun to have anyway. Maybe tomorrow we'll know, understand what we're seeing. <laughs> Maybe. I don't feel like we've had that experience in most of our movies so far. All right. See ya. Bye. Literally a man with a pig head. Who does backflips. Right, and it's obviously very symbolic 